On this episode of the Fear Me Out podcast, Justine Hamilton and I interview Chloe Brown. Chloe has graciously uh, agreed to come on the podcast. She's 15 years old, and she's here to talk to us about social media. And this begins a series on young people and social media. Chloe is an incredibly bright, eloquent person that we decided to have come on the podcast because she is very much involved in social media. And she wanted to come and talk to us about both the positive and negative aspects of this platform. So hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, we welcome Chloe Brown. There are two basic motivating forces, fear and love. When we're afraid, we pull back from life. When we're in love, we open up to all that life has to offer with passion, excitement, and acceptance. Coming to you from our studio in Santa Barbara, California, this is the Fear Me Out podcast. We're not your typical self-help program. Our show takes a deep dive into those psychological issues that affect us on a daily basis. We hope to shift your perspective and have you experiencing emotions differently. Now, Dr. Dana Saperstein. Hello, everyone. It's Justine Hamilton. I'm here with Dr. Dana Saperstein on the Fear Me Up podcast. We've got a great episode for you today. We are interviewing a articulate young woman named Chloe, who is going to talk to us about how teenage girls use social media, how it affects them, how it's maybe different than boys use it, but it's... Um, She's here and she's going to kind of fill us in. So any adults out there with children are probably going to want to listen to this one. I know this one's really important to me because I have two teenagers myself. But Chloe is here to give us some insight on girls and social media. So thank you for coming, Chloe. We're really happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yes, um, Chloe, I would love it if you would start off by just letting us know a little bit about who you are, um, where you came from. Um, I know you're more recent arrival here in Santa Barbara. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so I grew up in LA. Uh, I recently moved to Santa Barbara in my freshman year, which is about almost three years ago. Of high school. Of high school, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm 16 and I go to Kate High School. Um, I, you know, I think that for me in social media um, and how it kind of relates to my life is that growing up, I always wanted social media. I think that, you know, Los Angeles is a place where there are a lot of influencers there. Um, there are a lot of people who rely on social media either for their income or just for other reasons. And I think that it was always something that I was the last person out of all my friends, you know, to get social media. And I'm grateful for the fact that my parents were educated and aware of the harmful sides of social media to keep it from me for a while. I mean, I got it in the summer before I moved, I got it when I was about 12 years old, which okay. is still looking back on it really early. I mean, I remember friends at sleepovers when I was eight going on Musical.ly, which is what the form of TikTok before it became TikTok. Um, wow. And I remember being at sleepovers and I would be so jealous that all my friends had, you know, Instagram and they'd have uh, Musical.ly and Snapchat and all these things and we'd be, you know, putting funny filters on each other. And I just remember that I got it very late compared to the rest of my friends. And looking back on it, it's, it's, um, it's jarring 
that the amount that the young age that children, specifically girls, used to have um, social media. And did you see uh, eight, nine, ten-year-olds being harmed by their connection to all of this stuff at such an early age? I think that back then it was honestly, for lack of better words, harmless. I, I know that obviously as you get older, the influences of social media um, can increasingly become worse. But I think that, you know, there was like a wholesome side of of it back then when we were little. We'd have, you know, slime accounts. I'm not sure if any of mm, your kids, yes. yes, or into slime, but we'd have slime accounts and it would just be used for fun. I think the only thing that I was protected from since I didn't have social media at the time was the popular feeling of FOMO, um, like the, the fear of missing out. And, um, and of, of, I would always hear friends saying, well, I saw that they, these two people were together on, you know, on Instagram and I was wondering why they didn't invite me. And so kind of that feeling of not being able to hang out with your friends, I think that that was something that was harmful back then. Okay. Did you experience that directly? Not really. I mean, growing up, I did have, I didn't have that many friends. I was, you know, always going to my parents' dinner parties. They liked having um, a lot of friends over for dinner on the weekends. Um, And so I wouldn't really go out with friends when I was younger. I used to really honestly stay there um, and converse with, with, with adults. So I didn't really ever feel left out because that wasn't really a big aspect of my life. Okay. So social media sort of filled that gap for you when you got a little bit older where you could go online and connect with teenagers your age versus having to go out and meet them and, you know, do things, et cetera. So it kind of filled that, oh, I don't have to hang out with my parents at their dinner party, but I can connect with teenagers my own age. You know, I wouldn't say that that was necessarily, I mean, tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but it wasn't really a, an outlet for that or like a substitution for that um, somewhat lack of, you know, interaction that I have with people my own age. I would say that because back then I didn't have it, I wasn't aware that my experience was somewhat abnormal compared to other people's. Um, experiences. I mean, I think when you ask most people, they say that when they were 10, they were, you know, going out and playing in the streets with their friends. And granted, I was. Um, I ha- My best friend was my neighbor. Um, so I used to always, you know, hang out with her. But I think that because I didn't have social media, I wasn't aware that there were, were other things going on outside of my own experience. So I wasn't worried about missing out on, on things. Did you go to a public elementary school? I went to a public elementary school up until fourth grade and then a private and then I've been in private education since then okay yeah do you think there's a difference between how people interact with social media you know people that go to private school versus public school you know one of the only things that I can really think of is the way with which people can communicate with each other and then you know videotape that and then post it on social media I think that there's a lot less censorship that you need to have when you're recording people that when you go to a big public school because you might not see them you know for a while you're, you don't have that many classes with them right but I think that especially um going to Kate we have you know 10 students per class and we have 70 students per grade and you are very you know 
your um you know your classmates very well and you know the people that go to your school so there's not really a buffer zone for you to be able to post things about other people or um say things about other people on social media platforms where you're worried where you're worried about you know um, the repercussions of that for example, and I think this is kind of what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, at a public school, I know a kid will like videotape someone doing something stupid in class and put it on their story, yeah. right? And that kid doesn't even know it happens and no one knows anything. But at a, at a private school when it's super small, you can't do that. You can't. Right. And it's, I mean, it's something where, you know, even if you're posting it on a private story, which is basically like a public story that you can select who's on it. Um, I mean, I know I have one with just like six of my closest friends and it's something where I, if something funny happens in class and I videotape it with the, of course you always have to get the teacher's permission because there's no way that they're going to miss, you know, not see you taking the video, but I won't even post it on there because I know that there's a chance that somebody might see that maybe looking over my friend's shoulder or something and I could get in trouble for that. So I think that's honestly something that I'm grateful for with going to a school like Kate is that, you know, um, I've been educated on the importance of a digital footprint and the importance of what you put out there really stays out there. Um, and I think that that's something that a lot of students don't necessarily have. Um, and yeah. Does that happen a lot in a public school where kids will be posting another kid looking stupid or doing something dumb and that child has child, that teenager has no idea? Is that happen a lot? I think, yeah, I'd say that there's a lot of times, because I think that maybe maybe not even them doing some, maybe it's not even a teenager doing something childish on film. It could even be, you know, just the person who's taking the video and their friends mocking the other person mm-hmm. or um, making fun of them and the other person has no idea. Right. And I think that when you post that, because there are so many people that see it, it's really just, it's, it's a, it's a, quick tap through a story is all it really takes. And we consume so much media every day that I think that students don't really think about how, how important it is that what you put out there, you really are okay with that staying out there. Right. Um, the accessibility of posting something is just one button. And I think that it's become so easy to post something that it's just a mindless action at this point. And so I think that especially students that are going to bigger schools, they know that a larger audience is going to be seeing that and that there's really less room for chatter amongst the students to say, hey, that's not okay. Or mm-hmm. we're going to show somebody because it's kind of a widely accepted thing mm-hmm. within those those groups of people. How many hours a day do you think that you spend on your phone? On my phone? Honestly, honestly, yeah, honestly. On my phone, <laughs> I would honestly say that I spend upwards of five hours a day um and whether it's playing games or you know social media i would say that i do spend upwards of five hours a day yeah yeah you have a smile on your face but amazingly enough the average for people women your age seven hours wow that's the average seven which is stunning i believe it yeah because um I mean, I consider myself to be like a 68-year-old teenager, <laughs> but I spend about a half an hour on my phone a day at the yeah. most. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really annoyed by that. <laughs> but I also was not brought up with any of this stuff. Yeah. So I think I've been on TikTok maybe once in my whole life, and I have no idea, you know. How it works or... Never been on Twitter. I, yeah. I, I, I only do Instagram and Facebook because of my podcast. That's mm-hmm. it. Otherwise, I probably never in my life would have 
And it's just so stunning to me how different things are. Yeah. Do you yeah. ever take breaks, like extended breaks? Um, I honestly would say that other than, I think that I substitute TikTok for Netflix. I don't okay. really watch shows. So I would say that I, I do take not necessarily intentional breaks. Mm-hmm. I think that going, uh, since I go to K, I'm always doing a lot of work. And so I, you know, not to excuse the fact that I am on my phone for five hours a day, but a lot of times that is with, you know, phone calls with classmates on figuring out how to do things, being on Zoom. Um, I think that my biggest breaks are honestly during the week. And it's very nice that I don't, I, other than Snapchat, because people my age, you usually use Snapchat as texting. Right. Um, I barely check iMessages. Um, I get back to texts two days after they've been sent because I don't really check my text messages. Um, so what are you on the most? I would say I'm on Snapchat the most. On Snapchat the most. Yes. Um, but I take breaks during the week when it comes to TikTok and Instagram um, because I don't really have the time to mindlessly scroll, mm-hmm. um, which I think is what people mainly do when they're on social media. So what what do you, tell us in your words, what do you think is good about social media? What do you think is bad about social media from your perspective? Um, I would say my favorite ways, just to kind of put a little twist on that, the ways that it's, the ways that I think that it's used in a good and bad way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the best ways that social media has helped out people, not necessarily just teenagers in specific, in specific, but it's really been used as a great way to spread light to certain social movements. Um, and I mean, during the Black Lives Matter movement, um, at, at the height of it, I think that that can definitely be attributed to, not not only, but it can mainly be attributed to the um, to social media. And I mean, it's social media like provided a you know far reach. It's provided far reaching means to spread awareness, um, and it mobilized the activism. And I think one of the most powerful things that it did was it allowed for the documentation. Um, and, um, and and analysis of evidence. And so I think that it really allowed for the movement to grow, and that's one of the things that I love about social media. Um, I would consider myself a social activist, um, and I think that it's been a great way and an outlet for me to learn about topics that I wouldn't have previously known about or that I wouldn't have found out about in class or on the news. Um, but on the flip side, one of the bad ways is that I think that it spreads a lot. I think that it's, it spreads a lot of disinformation to kind of put that bluntly. But another thing that I think um, that it harms the teenagers that use it is that it can be, it's a very easy way to compare yourself to other people on social media. And I think that that's a very common topic and point that's brought up when talking about the downsides of social media and the ways that it inflicts harm on people, specifically teenagers, because, you know, our brains are, de- are still developing. And when we're mindlessly scrolling for hours and hours at a time, we're taking in so much media. We're, you know, seeing so many people. And I, I genuinely don't think that humans are really meant to see that many faces in a day. I mean, I would say that if I'm on it for, you know, five hours a day, if I'm on TikTok for th- even three hours a day, that's, each video is about 10 seconds. So that's, you know, um, forgive me if my math is wrong, but that's like 600 faces I'm seeing 
in three hours. Images. It's a lot of faces. Yeah. And, um, and so I think that it, there's so much room in that to compare yourself. And it's so easy to fall down that rabbit hole of checking out their um, TikTok page, looking at all of their posts, going to their Instagram and, you know, just comparing yourself to that and saying, you know, why don't I look like that? Or, Have you done that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I've definitely catch myself doing it sometimes. And I think, I don't think that it's only exclusive to to teenage girls, though. I think that it's something that happens to teenage boys as well. Um, and it's just, it's so easy to, because I mean, social media mainly is just, is showing, is showing your face and is showing yourself because you're, it's, uh, the platform was mainly created for people to be able to share updates on their lives. And in order for people looking at that page to know that it's your life, you're probably going to post what you look like at some point. And so I think that especially when people go viral and when they, you know, get a lot of likes and they get a lot of followers because of how they look, um, it can be, it can create a kind of competition Mm -hmm. between people. And I think that it's very easy to compare yourself to others when you're scrolling through videos and you're just seeing model after model after model. And then you take a look at it and then how does it make you feel about you? I think in my first few years of having social media before I knew about, you know, editing and um, plastic surgery and all of that stuff, I re- it really did change the way that I looked at myself. Um, but in what way? In a way that I would see girls with, you know, smaller waists and with um, smaller noses and just like a really small figure um, and look at myself in the mirror and kind of almost just, you know, hold the phone up and just look at the mirror and just mm-hmm. look back and forth and kind of just see the differences that were there. And then clicking on the comments on that post and seeing people praising her for how she looks. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, you know, there's a lot of people who this has reached, you know, and a lot of people have clearly seen this picture. And if people are from all over are commenting this stuff, this might be, this must be a general agreement that this is what you should look like. And this is what it looks like to be pretty or to be hot or whatever it might be. Um, and so I think that, but as I've, you know, grown up and as I've gotten older in the past years, specifically the past two, maybe three years, more like two years, um, I would say that I've learned more about how much people really do edit their pictures. And, you know, when somebody is posting pictures of themselves constantly uh, showing off their body or certain things, I think that they've tailored it to a specific audience, and that audience is people who are looking at their figure. When you look at like the comments and things like that, and you're seeing just post after post that they're sharing um, on their platform, and all of the comments pretty much uniformly being the same thing, um, just you know complimenting them. And so I think that after a while of people really only noticing that about you, you start to make that, or those people start to make that their entire platform. And so the work that they put into their posts becomes more work. And so they start, you know, maybe editing it a little bit and putting on some filters and um, maybe you, people get to, maybe some older people get tired of, um, of editing it. So they get plastic surgery. And so I think that young, but the thing that young people tend to overlook is the fact that it's just one picture and it's, you have no idea when it was taken, how many, it's one picture probably out of the 200 that they took. Um, and so the the nice lesson that I've taught myself is just that you really can't compare yourself to a photo that was taken in a split second that was probably curated through, um, and 
expect yourself to constantly look like that because they don't even, you know, constantly look like that. So do you think people your age know this, that they understand it the way that you do? You know, I think that to an extent they do. Um, I've done a lot of research about this. Um, I wrote a paper last year about um, social media and the influences on teenagers. So I think I do have more knowledge on the issue, but I think mainly teenagers have a good understanding of it, but I don't think that having an understanding of the, um, the reality of those posts, I don't think that that's necessarily a cure for, for compare, comparing yourself to others. Because I mean, I have a, I have a lot of knowledge about how much people really do change their pictures. And I still sometimes find myself comparing myself to other people. Well, okay. and I mean, even I change, I pick my best picture. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I would assume you do too. Like, even though you know what's going into it, mm-hmm. you're doing, and I'm doing the same thing that everyone else is doing also, yeah. is I'm putting my best picture up there. I'm like, oh, that one's terrible. I'm not going to post that. So even I think if we have the knowledge of the comparison, I don't know if the comparison ever goes away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just learning to live with that and seeing how that feels, especially as a teenager, you know, understanding their body and getting, you know, comments from boys and girls and adults and whatever. It's just a lot to contend with. So mm-hmm. what what do you do? Like when you post something and people comment on it, do you, are you like, oh yeah, whatever, but it's my best picture. Or are you like, oh Oh, she said I was stunning. And, you know, I've noticed, and tell me if I'm right or wrong, I when other teenage girls go on and co- comment on their friends or their acquaintances, it's, it is um, very strong. It's like, oh, my God, you are so beautiful or mm-hmm. queen or you're so hot. Like, it's yeah. never like, oh, pretty picture. Like, it is intense. It's explosive. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what's that about? I think, you know... I think that it's a sort of validation that's not necessarily toxic to the whole, you know, idea of social media. I think it's one of the endearing parts of it. You know, I mean, I, but on the flips, I think that there's two sides of it. You know, I think that when, oh, there's two possible outcomes. I mean, for me personally, um, when my friends compliment me in person or on social media, I, or when people do. I am very flattered and it honestly, it does make my day. You know, if somebody says something, I think, oh, like, well, that's, that's super sweet. Um, and, but I think on the flip side of it, if you're the kind of person who puts a lot of effort in taking your pictures, you, you know, you set up a ring light and you put up the timer and you take, you know, 400 pictures and then you only post one and you spend hours, you know, going through them and editing them and whatever. I think that those comments reinforce that idea and they reinforce that you're only going to look that good when you edit it that way and so I think that something that's hard to grapple with for teenagers who do edit their pictures is that you know they have to constantly keep doing that or else and there's also probably the fear of you know um of seeing having somebody see you in person and then think oh well, they don't look like that. Mm-hmm. And that can cause a lot of insecurity within somebody as well. So I think for me, when people comment, when people comment or compliment me, I think that it's, it's something that makes me really happy, but I think I can see how it could be negative for other people for sure. And do you ever wait for a comment? Let's say from like a girl that you think is really pretty and you're like, wait, she didn't comment on mine. Does she, 
does she not think I'm pretty or like a guy that you like if he doesn't comment like is that kind of running through your head after you post where like you're kind of waiting for their comment and it doesn't come and then it doesn't that doesn't feel good or is that am I just making that up no I think I definitely sometimes I catch myself saying you know thinking oh ha- have my closest friends commented yet mm-hmm. are they going to comment mm-hmm. and it's even something that you know I've had friends text me before and be like hey can you go comment on my post mm. and I'm like sure you know mm-hmm. they and ask you to go and yeah there's <laughs> don't a thing, scare Dana yeah so there's there's um um it's common that people will you know post because you can put your post on your story so it's very common for teenagers um to put their post on their story and then put a little blurb on the story and say go like and comment wow. which I think is really ironic because the whole point of a comment section is that you like the post so much that you're not just going to like it. You're going to go and you're going to say something about it. But when you see it on a story and they're telling you to go like and comment, it kind of takes away the, um, the sentimental part of that, you know, and the endearing part of that where it's like, Oh, somebody actually took their time to go and say that because they genuinely thought it and they wanted me to know. Whereas now it's like, you know, I People see it. will put that on their story. Go yeah. like and comment. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. So, I mean, I think it's 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 a it's a fleeting thought that I'll have every once in a while of like oh my best friend didn't say something on it, but other than that it's not really you know something that I necessarily think of, but it is something that I think a lot of teenagers think of, and I specifically around boys like you had mentioned. I know that you know I've I've had I've heard stories of girlfriends who have started fights with their boyfriends about not commenting something on their on their post or something like that. And I just, I think that we've put so much meaning and power and, um, and given that to comments and social media that we really, we really shouldn't have. Should, yeah. Aren't you worried? Maybe this is just cause I'm an old guy, but <laughs> it's so objectifying of you as a person. Yeah. And, and I mean, I always have this notion that objectifying someone mm-hmm. is really disrespectful. Yeah. Cause you're just, they're not a person, they're an object. And yeah. and you can manipulate that object to get some kind of reaction. Mm-hmm. But if you know on some level that it's not real, why is it so important? I mean, why does it fill you with a feeling of well-being when deep down inside you know that it's not, it's just an aspect of who you are. It's not really who you are. Or is it just the culture that I'm completely lame and don't understand? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I, totally, I totally agree with you. I think, you know... For me, especially if I, if I get a comment, for example, that's just strictly on my appearance, uh-huh. and um, but that but it's worded in a way that you can tell that's the only thing that's really in somebody's mind. Uh-huh. Um, when somebody comments like, "Oh wow, you're really hot," or something like that, I think that those kind of or fine or <clears> other <throat> words that teenagers use, I think that those words honestly have taken away the meaningful part of a compliment. I think that. Um, what do you mean so it feels maybe it feels more it feels more objective mm -hmm. and it feels like they're objectifying you um and so you know if somebody were to comment that I'd be like okay like that's that's nice but I wouldn't really think much about that whereas if somebody said wow you're beautiful or your eyes really pretty or just picking out something that's different from your body or just like overall how you look um that's more personal to me and I think that that's less you know um that's a way that you can objectify someone uh, or that you can't objectify someone in that have, way. Have and you ever felt, sorry, go ahead. 
No, no, I was... I was just going to say, have you ever felt uncomfortable if some guy comments, you're so fine or you're hot and you don't really know them? Have you ever felt uncomfortable by someone's comments? I wouldn't really say that I've necessarily felt uncomfortable by somebody's comments, um, by only their comments. I'd say that, you know, if it's like a something that somebody's, you know, commented, um, something that's a little bit out of um, out of the ordinary on multiple of my posts mm-hmm. or they follow me and they go like all my pictures and then they comment mm-hmm. on all my posts and you know maybe they dm me then I'm like okay like this is a little bit strange and I think that it's something that people sh- and I think noticing those patterns is very important as well because I mean another thing that we could talk about for hours is the 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 actual physical dangers of social media and how it's it's it it's become so easy um, for people to find other people um, on there. And so it's something that people, especially teenage girls need to be careful when navigating. Have you been harmed by social media yourself? Um, not on a major platform. I think that, like I had said previously that I use Snapchat primarily to message, Mm -hmm. um, during freshman year, um, I was sexually assaulted by a student at my school, um, who had taken a picture of it happening. And he had sent it to people and showed it to people on social media on his Snapchat or on, uh, not on his story, but just like sending it to people through Snapchat. Okay. Um, and the thing about Snapchat that I think a lot of adults don't really think about is the fact that once you see it, it goes away. Mm-hmm. So, but it doesn't, a picture like that never really does go away. And that's the main way that it's honestly impacted me is that, you know, I don't, because I can't see who he sent those pictures to, I don't know who on my campus has seen those pictures. Um, and I think that, that that's something that I kind of still have to deal with to this day, that it's like, you know, walking around school, I, I'm looking at people and I don't know if they've seen those pictures of me. I know they know the story because it's a really tight-knit community where everybody knows kind of everything about each other, but I don't know if they've seen that part of me. If somebody, again, my naivety is going to show up here. <laughs> if you get a Snapchat photo of someone, can you download it? So if you get a Snapchat, you can screenshot it and you can download oh. the picture, but it does send a notification that you do that. So the person on the oh. other side can see that you've screenshotted it. Um, and my assumption, I mean, in my in my case, is that somebody who had gotten those that picture wouldn't have saved it because the people that I know that did see it they helped me through the whole process and they, you know, let the guy know that it was, it was wrong of him to do that. And so I don't think that anybody necessarily would have saved it, but yes, it is a, po- it's, it's a very common possibility that somebody could save that picture or take a picture of it from another device. You know, it's. Yeah. Do people do that? Yeah. I mean, I know that kind of a harmless thing that girls, that some girls, even guys do, um, is that, you know, if somebody that you like sends a really good picture of themselves on Snapchat that, you know, you'd be like, hey, like, take a picture of this to your friend because you don't want them to see that you took it. So they'll take it from their phone of the... Because they don't want... Because they don't want the, the notification to send. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah. So do you feel like you've been able to come to terms with what happened? Um, or is it still affecting you because of the fact that you don't know, you know, who saw what they saw? Yeah, I think it's... I think the part of not knowing... You know, the kind of being in the dark about a situation that happened to you. I think that that has affected me and still does affect me. Less so than it did in the beginning. Um, But I do think that it's something that's always 
going to stick with me while I'm at Kate. I think that it's just because, and I think that that can also be attributed to the fact that everybody at Kate really is just, um, we just all know each other and we know a lot about each other. Um, and we have a lot of, you know, retreats and trips that we go on with our grades to bond with each other. So there's a lot of room for people to share these stories. And so I'm, I think that it's something that will stick with me at my time at Kate because I do know that a lot of people there know a lot about me and, you know, they care about me. So it's things that I did in prepar- uh, preparing for this interview was to do a little research. And what I've found out that was stunning to me is how many young people your age, the, the, the level of suicide has increased dramatically with social media. Mm-hmm. Do you, does that make sense to you when you yeah. think about it? Yeah, I, I think... You know, one of the main things that social media can cause and that during quarantine, when COVID first started in 2020, that it even started within me is eating disorders. Um, I was, you know, um, pent up in um, my house. I'm an only child, so I really was um, just there with my parents. I didn't really have anybody else. And um, so I would spend the majority of my time on social media, um, upwards of 12 hours a day. Wow. on social media because you just you couldn't leave your house and like I said before all of that time leaves so much room for comparison mm-hmm. and for comparing yourself to people and so I started to have the idea I think I was 12 at the time that oh well COVID's only going to last for maybe two months max I'm just going to get really skinny in that time and then come up as like a new person you know and it first started with you know workout routines that I found on TikTok and diets that I found on Instagram and all of these things that these big influencers were doing that when put together were really harmful to my health. Um, And so I, knowing that, you know, eating disorders also come with high suicide suicide rates, I think that social media having a very big correlation to suicidal thoughts and suicide amongst teenagers, that's that's not something that surprises me at all. Were you able to sort of come to terms with it relatively quickly or did it last through the whole years of COVID? Um, I am actually still going through recovery with my okay. eating disorder. Yeah. So it, um, it, it, because one of the things that I always say when it comes to eating disorders is that it's, you, eating disorder, the, having an eating disorder can, you know, you can, you can heal from that, but the mindset of one never really leaves. Okay. Um, I, in freshman year, I was, I think I want to say like almost six months into recovery when I, you know, I just, I, I of like suppressing those thoughts of me telling myself not to eat that they just kind of came back up. Um, and, and then I fell into that, you know, into that routine of just not of only eating a meal a day or eating, you know, 300 calories a day and working out a lot. Um, and, a lot of the times, you know, I would find myself, especially um, in freshman year when I was moving to a new town and I didn't know that many people, I found myself um, planning out, you know, thinking, you know, if I'm going to post an Instagram story, in a bikini, if I'm going to the beach with my friends and I know that there are going to be pictures that are going to be taken of us in our swimsuits and probably I presume that we're going to be posted on stories, I wouldn't eat. I would eat as little as I could for the three days before that so that I would be as skinny as possible for the beach. And then the day that I got back from the beach, I would like, I would eat so much and I would binge and I would, you know, until I felt bad about myself and that whole cycle would repeat. And that's not something that is uncommon. I mean, I have friends, 
I have someone, I know somebody who struggles with, who struggled with bulimia and who would, you know, eat for the pictures and then would go to the bathroom and would make themselves throw up afterwards. And so I think that the fact that social media was, you know, invented so that you could see thousands of different people's realities at once is ironic because now it's you're not seeing the reality you're seeing like I said before a a small second in somebody's life that they could have spent days like I did preparing for um such pressure yeah such pressure yeah do you wish if you could turn back time do you wish that you could go back to the good old days yeah (laughs) just forget social media be a kid. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are so many things that have just, that teenagers have stopped doing. I mean, I, um, just, so on the, on the weekends, I would say that a normal thing that teenagers do is they go to each other's houses. Maybe they'll go to the beach or something like that. But I think constantly you see people pulling out their phones and going on social media and making a TikTok or posting for Instagram or something like that. And it's almost like it's just that, sometimes it almost feels like it's like you're, you're only really there together so that you can show people that you're there together. If that makes sense. The event is for social media. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, just the other weekend I went on a hike up at lizard's mouth with my boyfriend and that was so much fun. You know, it was, it was something that I hadn't done in a while and it was just going on like a last minute adventure. And I feel like that's something that teenagers don't do that much where it's like, you know, they, just go and they do something. I mean, we left our phones in the car, you know, it was just something that like, we didn't even, you know, need that. And I went to another weekend, I went to the Goodwill bins, um, with my other friend, left our phones in the car. Like it's, it's something that you don't always, you don't always need to be connected to have. And in fact, having uh, disconnecting from social media allows for a connection with, with the people that you're with. Um, and, I have, and I, and now I've learned that it really, I value the experiences that I have without my phone way more than the ones that I do when I've been on social media and when I posted on social media. So, um, besides when you're asleep, <laughs> what's the longest period of time that you go without your phone? My phone? Yeah. Um, I guess when you're in school, you can't really play with your phone. Yeah. And I also, but at this, just my phone or electronics in general? Because I think, because well, I only say that because it's it's I'm I have because like I said before I have a, I have a lot of homework so I really am yes. working a lot of the time so yes. my iPad and my Google Docs no, screen time might be way higher. I, I'm smiling because as this conversation continues, I'm a dinosaur. <laughs> I'm like so irrelevant in the world because I I, I treasure being invisible. Yeah. I've never put a picture of myself like on anything. You're going to end up in <laughs> Chloe's thinking, story today. <laughs> What's that? You're going to end up in Chloe's story I'll today. You, I'll you ask know? you to take a few pictures. We'll, we'll curate them together. <laughs> I, I, I'm sitting here getting more anxious with each passing moment because I think, oh my God, I'm so irrelevant. <laughs> but at the same time, it sounds like so much pressure. So and it's, much pressure. It's, honestly, it's, it's, Maybe I feel like it's it. blissful ignorance too. Not, in, not even ignorance. Sorry, that was the, that no, was a no. poor, that was a poor word choice. No, but. that's a really good choice because yeah. it's true. Because I mean, just to not even know. I mean, it's just it's like you're. Li- I mean, you're I, living in what it was supposed to be. If I, guess, I had I a choice, say. I would have a computer made out of wood. <laughs> Honestly, if I had the choice to make that switch for the rest of the world, I probably would too. Yeah. yeah. Would you? Yeah, and I. One of the things that. 
actually the experience that made me really realize how social media and how phones have really impacted teenagers was going to sleepaway camp for the first time. Okay, yeah. Um, it's a place called Robin Hood, and it's in Maine, and it's just in the middle of nowhere. The closest town is like, you know, an hour away. And my, I would say my closest friends who understand me and who make me the happiest are from that camp because the connections that I made with them in those three weeks that I didn't have my phone, right. I didn't have, they didn't have theirs. Movies, they didn't have theirs. You know, I've just genuinely like, and especially three weeks, three weeks. Yeah. What, what, did you go like through heroin withdrawal or something? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, someone needs my phone right now. I was no. gonna say, um, did you like break into the sweat? And <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's funny. And just like the, and, treasuring like those moments like I got closer to those people in three weeks that I had been with any of my friends at that time mm-hmm. right. you know I had find I, I found out things about myself that I never even knew just through talking with them and like what I mean I have those people I think that one of the main things about uh, or one of the main things that I cherish about those friendships is just the way that they can make me happy and the ways that because most of our interactions happen and you know those people they live on the east coast mm-hmm. so it's actually ironic now because the only way that i can talk to them is through texting <laughs> or through facetiming um but you know i go back to new york to visit them um once a year if i can mm-hmm. because i really do cherish those friendships they are the first people that i call when something big happens in my life or when something bad happens in my life um and and I think one of the best things about our friendships is that now when we're together, we don't have to be on our phones because we're, we became friends in, a, in a, an environment where we weren't on our phones. So now it's it's natural yeah. to us. So when you sure. do hang out, you guys aren't on your phones no. like you would be with some of your friends here or whatever. Probably not, no. You just yeah. hang out and talk and feel the connection and that means and feels a lot more to you. Yeah, yeah. So I want to ask you this, just switching a little bit, um, because I... I am shocked at what I see sometimes Mm -hmm. of what teenage girls and even younger girls post. So my question is to you, are you ever uncomfortable with what other, like, like if you would see a 12 year old girl posting something that maybe is a little provocative, Mm -hmm. is that surprising to you? Or are you so just in tune with that's what everyone posts. And so it doesn't even kind of register or do you, are you ever uncomfortable with what you see people posting? You know, I wouldn't necessarily um, use the word that I'm uncomfortable with it. I would say more that I'm just concerned. You know, I think knowing the effects that social media can have on teenagers and seeing how it's affected me in so many ways that I can really see those same ways that it's a, that it had affected me start mm-hmm. to affect those people mm-hmm. whether it's scrolling through their feed and seeing how their pictures slowly change from them you know being in hoodies and sweatpants on a couch to in a bikini on the beach yeah. and you know posing in a in a very provocative way but I think especially what I've noticed and even I was talking about this with my friend the other day in the car that it is it, it was baffling to us how young girls are starting to mature way faster and whether I, I physically even, do you mean or what, or what I wouldn't even mean? say mature I would just say that they're starting to put themselves out there more than we did when we were younger I mean I think the first picture that I really posted that was for attention for somebody to think that I looked good in it was probably when I was 13 whereas now I mean I'm seeing 
you know, videos of girls in bikinis who are like 10 mm-hmm. or nine even. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was a camp counselor at the same camp that I talked about. I was a camp counselor um, for a cabin of 21 um, eight-year-olds mm-hmm. and for three weeks, and um, which was an adventure in and of itself. But I would even see them like, you know, looking in the mirror and saying that they looked fat and, you know, all, all of these things. And I mean, they were eight and nine. And for people that young to be saying those kinds of things, it really, it made me so upset because mm-hmm. I was like, nobody should ever be worrying about that. I mean, you're, I remember when I was younger, I used to be self-conscious about the size of my legs. And when I was like 10 and my dad would tell me, you're too young to be worrying about that. You're too young to be worrying about what you have to, what you're eating. You know, these are the years where you should be able to do whatever you want to do. Um, and it's just, it's really concerning when I'm when when you see how young people are these days and the pictures that they're posting and the things that they're saying and the ways that they're putting themselves out there and asking for you know not necessarily asking for but you know putting those out there for attention that it's 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 concerning yeah if you were in charge (laughs) she is what would you do? What would you do about all this? If you, if like somebody appointed you the boss of, uh, yeah. of social media, you what were would Mrs. You do? Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I think that the world was a better place before social media. Do I you? do. Yeah. I do. I think that people were happier. I mean, look, just looking at pictures of people and videos, of people just in the early two thousands. I mean, people were just so much happier. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not to say that we shouldn't be taking pictures of ourselves and of our experiences with our friends because I really value taking pictures. I mean, I bring a camera, like a little pocket camera, a film camera, or my phone. I take pictures of a lot of things, not to post, but just because I value those memories and I want to be able to remember those um, later on. And I even have like, I have um, a little photo book that I have, you know, pictures from each month that I put in there, like my highlights from each, each week. And I put like a little blurb of like the, the situation that was happening during those pictures so that I can remember those because I really do think that pictures and videos are so, are, are, are amazing and that are great ways to look at, you know, your past and to remember things. But I, I, I would definitely say that social media should down the drain, down the drain. That's Whoa. Do you guys hear that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, hopefully there's only adults listening to this. Gonna Otherwise, say, there's going to be a mob of, a of angry friends. teenagers no, knocking ha- at my door tomorrow morning. Well, we're going to have to change your name on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should just, maybe you can put like a voice filter <laughs> right. on, on, on my voice. Make, it, make yeah. it sound like you're a robot. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you think you'd be doing with those five, three extra hours? Oh, I, I would, I would think, I definitely think I'd be out doing things. I mean, I... Like, like I said, I, I, I'm going to use this, I might use this example again, but just going to sleepaway summer camp. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like in those times you're doing, you're having those meaningful conversations with friends. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you're making friendship bracelets. You're trying out new things that you hadn't tried before. Um, whenever my phone's dead, I will, I'll, you know, I'm like, well, I, there's, I don't have my phone now, so I'm going to go, I'll, I'll walk into the kitchen and talk to my parents for a while, or I'll go and watch a movie with them or something like that and just engage with people because at the, the bottom line is that that's really what humans are supposed to be doing. Right. You know, we can't, we can't live without communication, without interaction with other people, and that's not possible through a screen. So let me ask you this. When you're with your friends and, you know, you guys all have your social media and, and you're just out doing whatever, 
what percentage of the time are you talking mm-hmm. like this or what, and what percentage of the time are you guys looking at your phones and talking about what's on the phone or comparing or whatever? Like, I think, a, I think a lot of the time, a lot of the time spent with people, we're showing each other things on our phones, yeah. you know, funny videos that we've seen or, um, some, something funny that somebody posted or not like making fun of them, but just like a funny post that they yeah. posted, you know? And I think I would say a good 50, 60% of the time is the conversation is kind of what's happening on the phone. On the phone. Yeah. So when, when do you get to really talk to your friends about important stuff, like teenage girl stuff, emotional Mm -hmm. stuff, stuff that matters? I think I have the most meaningful conversations about those sorts of things with my closest friends because we're interested in similar things and we know a lot about each other's lives. So we know how these topics can connect to each other. I think when I have more of the, you know, tip of the iceberg conversations mm-hmm. with people that I don't really know that well, mm-hmm. um, where, or just, you know, just friends that I see sometimes at parties or things yeah. like that. But my really close friends are when I have meaningful conversations and those are also the people that I'm not on my phone as much with. Yeah. Um, but I would definitely say that, you know, the majority of the time I am, you know, friends and teenagers communicating, they aren't having meaningful conversations about these kinds of things because they're, you know, on, um, on their phones. There's a, um, a situation in Japan right now, which I know is not relevant to what's happening here, although it is coming to the United States, where young men um, are falling in love with an icon, like... Oh, like with a, a, yeah, with AI. Rope. Yeah, well, yeah, like a robot. It, well, it's a it's a cartoon drawing of a woman, but the woman has really big eyes. It doesn't look like a normal person mm-hmm. at all. And and the the feedback that the guys get all the time is how much their uh, girlfriends, because they believe that these are their girlfriends, love them. They're never going to leave them. They think they're the greatest guys that ever lived in the you know. And um, I saw these guys being interviewed mm-hmm. and they were, there were six of them sitting at the table all with their phones pointing at them and they were all looking at the same image. And the same. They were all, it's because it's the same creation. The same girlfriend. The same girl. They all got the same girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. And they all talk about how much they love this girl. Wow. And, and then one of them has a real girlfriend mm-hmm. and said, my girlfriend's got a friend. I would like you to meet her. He said, I already have a girlfriend. Wow. <laughs> And this wow. is affecting like 30% of the young male population in Japan right now. You mean the artificial intelligence, like the they thing? W- they would rather interact with wow. a, a computer-generated image than a real person. Yeah. And, um, you know, they interviewed some of their parents. Parents, obviously, if they're not worried, they should be because their yeah. kids, you know, one of them was going to get married to this. Wow. That's a Girl <laughs> creation. I mean, yeah, there's this there's this influencer. I just looked it up. Her name is um I might pronounce this wrong, but it's Lil Michaela. Okay. Uh M I Q U E L A. And her Instagram bio is 19-year-old robot living in LA. That's that's how she describes herself? 19-year-old robot living in LA. Oh yes. What does that even mean? And if you look at the pictures, I mean you can't anybody who's listening to this can look them up um, on their own, but um, just showing you guys, I mean, she looks, the picture, she looks real to a certain extent. Like it looks like it could be a real person, Uh but you know, there's something off about it. Right. Okay. And this is a person that, you know, she has, she even has brand deals. 
and I e- brand deals, meaning like, oh. yeah. And oh. I'm, I mean, I'm referring to her as a she, as we speak. And so wait, I'm so robot. confused right now. <laughs> is this a robot yeah. or is this a person? It's a robot. It's many? a robot. Okay. It's, it's, it's somebody, I'm Someone. not, I'm not sure if it's like, if it's a picture of somebody and then being completely edited or oh. something like that. But I mean, this thing goes on trips. And yeah. how many followers does she have? Yeah. 2.8 million followers. And oh, she is God. verified oh, on Instagram. You're going to give Dana a heart attack right now. And me <laughs> and Minnie heart attack. This might be too much right now. <laughs> I'm doing something really wrong. <laughs> no, you're doing something really right, I think. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. It's Maybe crazy. we can get her on the podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, I got to become an influencer, although yeah. I have nothing to influence. <laughs> But no, it's 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 crazy. It's wow. it's it's. I think, and I I really do think that it's the amount of like, like what you were saying about people having more interactions with, you know, things on social media than people in front of their face. It's like right. I've seen people having full on conversations, texting people while they're at. Like I've seen a couple on a date, and the girl is having a full on conversation with somebody, or even. It can be flipped as well. The guy is having a full conversation with somebody on text while their partner is across the table. Yeah. And it's like... And this is normal now, And this is normal. I mean, going into a restaurant, you see... I guarantee you 75% of the people, maybe 50%, that might be generous, but 50% of the people will be on their phones. And it's, it's really... Social media, I think, ever since Facebook became big in like 2008, social media has honestly had such a negative impact on the connection that we have with people. And it's sad. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a psychologist, the thing that I've, I mean, I see people from every walk of life that you could imagine, every socioeconomic, from people that can barely, you know, pay their bills to people that are, they got more money than God. And the, and the thing that matters the most in everybody's life is the relationships they have with other people. Mm-hmm. That seems to be yeah. what determines their satisfaction oh, look, in their you. life. No, and, uh, just like real relationships. Oh, real relationships? Real oh, okay. relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why this is so frightening to me because um, it's, do, it's, it's like all designed to keep people away from each other yeah. rather than connected to each yeah. other in any real way. And it's doing a great job. And yeah. I think also the, to add on to your point about pulling people away from each other is that the idea that you can go on somebody's Instagram and compare how many followers you have to how many they have, and that can be a determining factor of success. I and, mean, and your value as a person. Yeah, and your value as a person. I mean, your your value as a person is a lot of times determined in this day and age with teenagers. It's determined by how many likes you get, how many comments you get, how many yes. followers you have, and it's or like the ratio of how many people you follow versus how many people follow you. I mean, it's it's crazy that there is so much thought being put into something that was created to be so, so, so you know wholesome that was supposed to bring people closer together. Right. It was supposed to bring close people closer together so that you could see what other people were doing together. Whereas now it's something that it's just you're seeing somebody going on. I mean, I could see somebody. Go, I could know that somebody just went on a trip to Mexico because I saw it in their story, but I have never had a conversation with that person in my life. And, and, it's, and you know all about And them. I know all about their trip. Yeah. I know they went jet skiing. They saw yeah. like, a, 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 you know, a film festival. I'm like, oh, that looks like fun. I did research about it, you know. Yeah. But I couldn't tell you their last name. Yeah, but yeah. that's because they don't post the pictures of when they ate something that didn't agree with them. Yeah. And they're sitting on the toilet with diarrhea <laughs> yeah. or, or right. whatever. They yeah. don't show that side of no. the, yeah. their trip no. to Mexico. Yeah, right. They didn't show their hangovers in the morning or anything like <laughs> right. that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, am I ever cynical. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you... Um, because I think 
boys and girls, teenagers use social media so differently. And Dana knows a little bit more about this. And we're going to have a teenage boy come on the podcast too. How do you see boys and girls using social media differently? I think that generally it really is kind of in a way the same, but just different variations of ways that they use it. I mean, I'd say that there are girls and boys equally who post things to look good. And I think that generally speaking, if I'm going to put a stereotype on um, between the two sides, I would say that, you know, boys typically, teenage boys typically put less thought into what they're posting. And everything else. And everything else. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, don't forget. Um, tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> that in most societies and most animal groups, the teenage boys are the ones that are excluded from the group. <laughs> yeah. And it's for a really good reason. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, they put so much less thought into it. And honestly, for social Meaning media, like a photo. Like they're like not going to go yeah. in and edit yeah. it. They're yeah. just going to be like, here's me playing basketball with my friends. Yeah. And like, I have a double chin in it, but I don't care. You know right. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. something like that uh, where it's like- You have a what in it? Oh, double, like double chin. chin. Like mm-hmm. my face is scrunched, but yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Or I look really stupid in this video. I'm doing something funny, you know, but I, but it doesn't matter because it's funny. I right. think that a lot of times boys look at the humor side of TikTok. I mean, I look at, you know, um, my male friend's TikTok feeds because you know that that's all curated for what you like. And, yeah. you know, I'm yes. sure we all know that. Um, but, and I see that, you know, it's all funny videos or it's video game videos or it's, you know, things like that. Whereas you look at a girls and it's all girls getting ready for the day or it's diet or it's diet, beauty, all of that. And it really is. I mean, when you sign up for a lot of these social media platforms, you have to put in your gender Mm -hmm. When you sign up for Instagram. They ask you what gender are you female, male or other. Um, and I really do think that that, I mean, I haven't checked it out myself, but I would put a lot of money on it that if you start a completely new account and you click female, you go to your discovery page and it will all be, you know, beach pictures or puppy pictures or pictures of diets and things like that gradually as you start scrolling. But on the flip side, if you click that you're male, it's going to be workout videos or it's going to be sports or it's going to be, you know, cars. And, And I think that that's not only do I think that that's unfair because boys and girls can have the same interests. That doesn't mean that because you're a boy, you like cars. It's also because it reinforces that idea that that's what girls should be looking at. And that's what girls should Mm be putting their thought process towards. Whereas guys Uh should be looking at how fun video games are, but girls should be looking at how they've gained weight. Uh And another thing that I think is crazy is that, I mean, like you said before, there are these young girls that are posting these provocative pictures and, and are trying to live up to, a certain body type, but it's like a girl who hasn't even hit puberty yet, who hasn't right. even had her period yet, is comparing herself to models who are in their 20s that have gotten a bunch of plastic surgery and they have no idea that those models are like right. that. You, like, it is impossible for society to expect 12 year old girls to look like that. Right. It's physically impossible because humans weren't meant to look like that when they're that young. Right. And so I think that it's just, it's, there's a big difference between boys and girls, but I do, despite my examples that I gave, I really do think that it can, I can harm men just as it can harm women. I have a lot of more questions, <laughs> but, but we're going to save we them for another time. time. We can yes. cover those. Yes. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to add before we finish today that you think is really important that we haven't asked you about or, or that we haven't covered as far as this goes? You know, one thing that I would just say is that for any parent that's listening, um, if you have a teenager, 
I know that it's it can be a really hard to see the side of this what it's like growing up I mean you can read as many articles as you want to and you can get the statistics of it but at the end of the day it doesn't translate directly to your individual kids experience everybody's is different and I think one of the main things that Instagram has done to harm people is influence the way that they see themselves and I think that I was very I was lucky enough to grow up with parents who supported me and who um, I mean, I have two dads and they always, they were very accepting of me and they never said something bad about my body, my appearance. Um, <clears throat> and I think that that was one of the best things that I could have asked for. And so the only thing that I say is that if you're a parent, you're listening to this and you're wondering what can I do to keep my kids safe? It's not, in my opinion, at least it's not really, you know, saying no social media for you. I think it's, it's cutting it off until a certain age um until maybe honestly maybe even high school because you don't really need it before then you know um and I think that it's even if they have it earlier to just make sure that without being too invasive you really do make sure you see you're making sure that they're not spending too much time on it because it's really building a habit it's a habit that you create and once those those um training wheels get taken off and your kid is free to spend as much time as they want to on it it can be dangerous. And so without, you know, being too overbearing because that can, you know, lead to, I'm sure as you know, as a therapist that Mm. can lead with, you know, um, conflict within the family. But I think it's really just making sure that it's all in moderation and that it's not something that if, if, you know, your kid is doing it always in their free time, maybe suggest that you guys go out and go to the beach or something like that. Um, I mean, we are very lucky to have the beach so close to us in Santa Barbara. So it's a great alternative. So um, you, have, you have way too much common sense for a normal teenager. <laughs> Thank That's you. all I can say. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Well, I do appreciate both of you uh, joining me on the podcast. This has been very, very interesting conversation, and uh, you're very kind to uh, be as elo- and super eloquent in the way you're describing how all of this works. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I think when I was your age, I didn't even know how to tie my shoes. No. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you, Thank you for having me. Thank you. We appreciate our listeners and are interested in your comments and suggestions. Feel free to email us at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor for this podcast, please email us at fearmeoutpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. See you next time.